0: Today's episode of M-Vibe Live Conversations podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Actually, what I heard from the teachers and some of the principals with things like masks and the new rules and the distancing, the kids are resilient and they're handling it fine. They're not complaining. They're not whining about it. They're not asking to go back. They understand the need. They understand it's for safety precautions and they're just doing it. And so that is not a concern. Uh, In fact, one of the assistant principals I talked to just a few days ago is on an elementary campus. And she said, even the pre-K and kindergarten kids put their masks on and they're, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Welcome to the
0: InVibe Live podcast with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We'll offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us all on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at life.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. And we're grateful that you're here.
2: Hi, and welcome to the InVibe Life podcast. You are here with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn, and we have as a return guest today, Dr. Vera Waring. Um, Vera has written several articles for In Vibe Life, and go check all of those out. We'll link them in our show notes to this. Mm-hmm. And she also did a podcast with us um, around, I guess, Vera, the beginning of August, right? Right before school right. was about to go back, go back to school. And now that we have been in school for a few weeks, we wanted to circle back and check in with her. And Vera, we'll let you give a little bit of, of your background, but Vera... Is a lifelong educator and someone who, and you tell about this Vera, in your current role, has your eyes, ears in many, many different school districts and campuses around the state of Texas. So you have a really unique vantage point to observe what's going on in schools right now.
1: So thank you, Amy. Um, Again, Vera Waring. And I had a 33-year career in public education starting as a high school math teacher. So spent about 15 years as a high school math teacher and then moved into school administration. All of my campus administration is at the high school level, both as an assistant principal and then principal for the last 10 years of my career. But in the middle of that, I also spent three years researching a leadership development grant through the University of Texas. And so that is where my doctorate is from. It's from UT Austin. Uh, I currently work with a group that certifies new teachers to teach, and so my technical position is a field supervisor. Uh, mentoring and coaching are my primary roles, but as such, uh, each year for for five years now, I have uh, supervised about fifty to sixty brand new teachers a year, and so that could be in any one or several of about 20 districts in the, uh, sort of East central, South central Texas area. Uh, so again, I have 52 brand new teachers this year that I am working with trying to help them get set up in their classrooms and be but the best teachers first they year. can be. This is their very first year. Uh, There are two of them that actually taught out of the country prior to this year, but they were not certified to teach. They had never taught in the United States. They are from here, grew up uh, in in actually different parts of the, the country and ended up in Texas now. But then as adults ended up one in Mexico and one in China teaching at the American schools there. And so while they do have experience, it is not public school in the United States experience. So very, very diverse group, Uh, all ages, some people coming into education from different backgrounds or sometimes after staying home, raising kids, getting kids older, some brand new out of college that choose to take the alternative path into certification, just a diverse group of background interest. But even
2: at that, just to say you also know a ton of teachers with all different levels of experience and they all touch Uh, base with you on a regular basis.
1: Yes. And and in the last, I would say, six weeks, I have heard from more teachers and principals than normal. Uh, Just checking in and just sharing frustrations and not knowing who to go to. Yeah, so can you go
0: ahead and tell us what they're saying? Because, you know, we're hearing what we hear from the perspective of the parents, and and that's kind of hearsay, I feel like. So I think it'd be great if you could just let us know what they're feeling, what they're saying, and maybe ease some of the fears and anxiety that are out there.
1: I think if I would come up with a couple of patterns of what I hear the most often, it would be... How overwhelmed and stressed they feel that they just don't have enough time to do the job they want to do and how much they care for their students and how they want to do everything the best possible way. So in saying both of those things, those are not unusual themes for teachers and they're not unusual for this time of year and certainly not unusual for brand new teachers. but it is just amplified this year. It is just exponentially more so than usual. Um, Things change every day. And so while they might have a plan for online instruction or in-person instruction, it might change the next week. They might think they're online for several weeks and then that time gets shortened. And so they're changing lessons they've, prepared Um,
0: I can't imagine at our district only 52 percent of the students are back in the classroom so a teacher's having to teach half of her kids are there and half of her kids are not there to me that seems like two different lesson plans and then the I you know it's it's how do I if I'm only on my zoom for 20 minutes of a 45 minute class you know my kids they have the ability to get off of zoom and then work independently or do whatever they want to do okay. with their uh-huh. own Zooming, but she's also got these other kids that are sitting there, but you've got to keep all of your children okay. kind of at the same level. So you can't okay. go forward with the kids in front of you. And,
1: and leave that out. there are, there are so many models for how that's happening. Um, kind of every community, every district is doing, Doing it all differently, doing school differently, how they're handling the online and the home and whether it's delayed or or parents had a choice whether they were coming back or not. So I I think from those I've talked to, when the district has offered the option of coming on campus or learning remotely, there's been about a 50 50 decision. So about half the students in the class and about half at home. Of those, then some have one teacher teaching his or her class, both remote and in person, so balancing the two at the same time, some have assigned virtual Okay, I was going to say virtual teachers. The teachers aren't virtual. They are actual teachers teaching all the remote students. So, for instance, I know a teacher who is teaching all of the seventh grade social studies who are learning from home. I know a teacher who's teaching all the math and science fifth graders who are learning from home. So she those two teachers are are, happen to both be women they do not have any in-person students so all of their time and energy is dedicated to preparing those online lessons and working with the students remotely
2: but then does that mean they have way more students than they would normally have to manage in a school both, year
1: both of them do yes
2: yeah mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And and they have they've been kind of overwhelmed with that, again, trying to get to know them and build a relationship with them and and do those things that teachers do. Which ones have special needs, whether those are formally identified special needs or just every student responds differently to teachers and correction and instruction and the type of instruction. And so getting to know them all now. um Are you in
0: contact with many teachers that are back in the classroom?
1: Yes. Most of them now are back in the classroom. Okay. In in some way or another. Not all of their students are there, but most of the teachers are back with the students coming back um, now. Uh, Some of them started last week with in-person instruction. So, yes. Um, What did you
0: say about it with, like, the new – things that are implemented like the face mask and no snacks and you know those sort of new little things for the kids and the teachers you know what are they feeling do they
1: like it like it actually what I heard from the teachers and some of the principals with things like masks and the new rules and the distancing the kids are resilient and they're handling it fine they're not complaining they're not whining about it they're not asking to go back they understand the need they understand it's for safety precautions and they're just doing it and right. so that is not a concern uh in fact one of the assistant principals i talked to just a few days ago is on an elementary campus and she said even the pre-k and kindergarten kids put their masks on and they're they're just doing what they're supposed to do
0: yeah it is it's not a concern um uh, Yesterday, my kids went back for the first time yesterday in person, and I have you know, I thought two different things one would do well, and one wouldn't with the mask. And when they came home, their stories were exactly opposite of what I thought. My youngest has asthma and allergies, Mm -hmm. and so I thought wearing that mask all day is going to drive him crazy, but being back with his friends in that environment was. He loved it, and he loved being back. He managed the whole mask thing. The only thing he said was, "Mom, can you clean it? It kind of stinks." <laughs> well, at, at least he said it. And my oldest, who I thought would be fine with everything, he did not complain about the mask at all or the no snacks. He didn't. He was like, "Oh, it's so boring because there's a lot of just sitting around." Okay. That was only but, one day, so I'm sure okay. after. Week, I'll get a better
1: picture. I think that the teachers are taking some time to get their systems and routines in place and what works and what doesn't. I watched a a second grade teacher uh, teach a class the other day. When I say I watched her, this was remote watching. She had recorded a video and uploaded it for me to see and give her feedback. And um, so they were second graders, half of her kids were in class, half were uh, remote uh but but in between she she had been in in person for about a week they had all been remote for the first couple of weeks of school and then we're back but it's something i had talked about in in one of the the articles about breaking things up every few minutes about three or four times during that 45 minute lesson she had the in-person students go get a journal off the bookshelf and bring it back and do something and get up and retrieve a textbook off the bookshelf and bring it back. And now let's, let's move to your other location and you at home find this in Google classroom. So you have it when we look at it. So it was taking those little breaks, even if they weren't big formal recess types of breaks, just, breaking up the sitting and staring at each other and looking at the screen I and yeah and and so she's uh, she's an excellent teacher anyway and and I had seen her in her class last year so this was definitely different from what she had done before everything shut down last spring but it seemed very effective. She was doing a great job making sure all of her students were learning and mastering the objective. She had everyone with whiteboards, and she's saying, okay, put your answer on the whiteboard, and when I count down from three, everybody's going to hold it up. You at home, you're going to hold yours up also, whether it's a whiteboard or a piece of paper. And so on the count of three, everyone held up their answer and she could see what they were answering and give them feedback and have them answer. And she was mixing up calling on students who were actually in the classroom with her as well as those that were at home. So they were obviously all part of that classroom learning. She had really developed that in the first couple of weeks when they were all at home. And they knew the expectation and they were living up to that expectation. It, it was amazing to see. Again, it wasn't what I had seen in her classroom in person when everyone was there last year. But it was definitely an effective lesson. They they were all learning.
2: So you refer to this teacher as an excellent teacher to begin with. They're always <laughs> calling them the master teachers. You know, they're just it's a mastery they have. Is there any trend you see in which teachers are adjusting better and which teachers are not adjusting so well to the craziness and the different learning styles? And well, technology? I,
1: I think emotionally, the newer teachers are actually handling it better because they didn't have the routines and procedures and classroom and classroom set and stations around the room and all the materials set up and and all of that that the more experienced teachers have as far as creating the lessons and the lesson flow and different materials then those with with experience are are handling that really well they they had more sources to go to for information and while they've had to rely on more online sources than before Uh, from what I see, they've really taken the time over the summer anticipating that Mm -hmm. there could Mm -hmm. either be another shutdown or that some of the students would be home or or whatever the case may be, just preparing for the unexpected uh, and and spent a lot of time preparing before school started. Uh, Many, most of the new teachers that I work with develop lessons with their team of experienced teachers also. And so they are really helping the older, more mature, more experienced teachers who may not have the technical skills with that technology with the more experienced teachers than helping with the actual curriculum and lesson planning. And so it's made for good teams, really. That's right.
0: Sounds like a really good team. Uh I know, being someone, I personally didn't get a cell phone until after I was out of college. So no email in college or anything. I just Mm -hmm. aged myself. But um, the younger people that I hire, I really rely on their Mm -hmm. technology skills where I have, you know, they rely on my experience skills. Mm -hmm. And so it makes for a better team because the younger kids are just, Way on top of that technology, That's and I brought kids, but them
1: these are twenty and thirty year olds. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know. No, well, you know, I, I I had mentioned before I have grandkids ranging in age from two to fourteen, and so they're great with the technology. Even the two and four year olds get on YouTube and find the videos they want. Now, my YouTube <laughs> channel is filled with kids' videos and karaoke videos that kids are singing, but. But, but they just don't think anything of it. They just know where to go find everything they're looking for. Completely. It's amazing to watch them. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, this might be a touchy subject, but I just want to broach it a little bit here. Um, we have had some resignations from teachers. Are, are you hearing of that? And do you know possibly why? Or maybe it was people that were already on the verge of leaving. I, I don't know any details. I'm just saying we...
1: I do know it's a little bit of a trend, so give us a um I know of a few. I haven't seen it as being an overwhelming trend. It, not that I've seen. Uh, limited on each campus and limited in, in districts. And so from those that I've heard from or or know of specifically, it's been a variety of things health issues and they're concerned about their health and the health of students. Maybe they were somewhat burned out anyway, and this was a good chance to do something different. Right. Um, And then some of it, um, when the teachers had the ability um, financially or age wise or, you know, qualify for retirement or whatever it was, um, did not feel they were getting the support from their administration to listen to their concerns. And if they weren't going to have their concerns heard, then they were just gonna go do something else. And so what I know about teachers and and even principals, when when I say that they wanna be heard, they're not necessarily complaining or saying, I'm not going to do this if you don't meet a certain demand, or it's nothing that extreme, it is, this is what I'm worried about. I need help finding a way around or through this concern. And if they were just kind of being blown off or I don't know, or deal with it, work with it, given those kind of responses, they were saying, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to deal with that.
0: So on that subject, do you feel the districts are providing enough of the, uh, like, PPE, equipment that kind of stuff. Do you, or maybe the booster clubs are stepping up and providing. Do you feel that that's happening
1: or? No, I, is- I think I think people are providing their own. Okay, got it. I I, I know um I know in a couple of local districts, uh, teachers are expected to clean or help clean classrooms, and they received a bucket of cleaning supplies at the beginning of the school year. Uh, I don't know what replacement for that might or might not look like i have not heard that um i know i've heard from my teachers that they're going and buying their own supplies i know of teachers saying i went to costco and sam's and here and there and i can't find lysol wipes or spray or masks has anyone seen them do you know where i might be able to go get them and 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 they're just stepping up and doing like i do just like teachers go and buy their own whiteboard markers and In the old days it was our own chalk or or transparency markers or what you know, whatever it was. We we've changed what we buy on our own, but but teachers for the most part buy most of their own school supplies.
0: I also one of my concerns is my niece is teaching. This is her first year of teaching. She was telling me about how you know, the cleaning that she needs to do and that the, where she's at, the district is not providing it. So I went and got it for her because Question. she's a new teacher. She can't really afford it. Right. Um, but the time, like in between classes, that's what she's supposed to be doing is cleaning the classroom. I can't imagine that's also when you get to pee, get to check on maybe your own children to see if yeah. something's going on. That's when you maybe take a breather. Maybe that's when you check your email. I just can't imagine now all of a sudden you've got to clean your classroom.
1: And the other thing teachers do in between is adjust a part of a lesson that didn't work the first time. Okay. This looked like a great plan on paper. And when I thought about it or when we planned it and then it just did not, I'm sorry, did not go that way. And so, um, so how do they adjust the lesson for the next class? And we want them doing that, but then yeah. you're right. Cleaning and taking care of personal needs and yeah, it's, that, that's where some of that overwhelming feeling has come from. Just how do right. I fit it all in? How do I go home and grade the papers and prepare my lessons or adjust? Because again, in a in a day, you might have a week's lesson plan prepared to start with, but if today we don't get through everything, or we've finished actually what I thought would take a day took only 30 minutes and so I went into the next lesson and so I'm having to adjust for the end of the week and so they're doing that at home or after school plus their own family and cooking dinner and helping with homework and
2: right so this really concerns me because you're talking about about what in vibe life is all about you know they're not having much time to bring balance or to be in vibe you know I'm a big proponent uh, of even a uh, three-minute meditation uh, or stillness, even at other, you know, different times during your day, or even to your heart center for 30 seconds or a minute when you're feeling very stressed. If you're not even being given the opportunity to do that from the time you step on campus till the time you step off, and then we know when people step off, they've got, yeah, their kids and their grocery shopping and now a whole other um, phase two of work or the lesson plans and maybe record some videos or whatever it is. I mean we're only a month to six weeks in. It's not gonna be sustainable for nine months. I,
1: and I, I think that's a that should be a concern for those of us that are not in the day to day routine of doing that. We're not right. in the day to day stress. Health so health what
2: can care? I mean are the administrators is anyone kind of tuned into this and thinking how can we
1: manage this a little bit? I, that, that's going to be different on every campus or every district. Um, some principals are really good at that. Some are not. Some department chairs or team leads are really good at that. Some are not. Um, I try to do that with my new teachers mm-hmm. um, to remind them to take time with their own children and their spouses or pets or wh- whatever it is. Because um, they have a busy year. They have lots of requirements they have to finish in addition to the teaching. And so we try to spread that out through the year. Um, I I want to go back to something I'd mentioned earlier, but it it comes up here too, because there is so much unknown. It's also difficult for them to plan too far in advance. Um, They don't know every six weeks, which students are going to come home or come home, come back into class or maybe have parents who choose to, have them learn remotely. Um, I talked to a teacher last week who had a student in her class test positive for COVID. So he's home and lots of other students have been sent home to quarantine. Many of the teachers on that campus have been sent home to quarantine. And so it, it has upset their lesson plans and their classes. And so that student's classes have had, again, several other students be sent home. So they've adjusted, they've combined groups and moved teachers around and moved teachers home. And as one teacher went home, those students came into the class that doesn't have as many students anymore because they're home, but that's hopefully temporary. Hopefully most of those students will not be positive for COVID. And so they'll be back in two weeks. And, and then hopefully the teachers will be back in two weeks. So they'll go back to their regular classrooms after they've had time to adjust to a new setting. And it, it's just totally upended the situation. I, I want to reiterate also students are resilient. Mm-hmm. They need support. They need to be listened to. They need to know they're a trusting adults in their environment But they they are resilient. The teachers are resilient. But the stress of that unknown is where that overwhelmingness comes
0: from. That stress is harder
2: for adults than it is. I think so. And I mean, we know that one of the major sources of stress and even anxiety that rises to a clinical level is uncertainty or uncertainty about the future. And that's what this situation is infused with. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm a
2: little more concerned right now, Vera. You're not alleviating my.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I but wait. From what I hear, you're saying is that I feel like the teachers are—they're doing the best they can. I do feel like their hearts are in the right place. They want to be there for our children. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have chosen right. I believe I, like I, that. I'm
1: worried about. And, and
0: I—I I, I think they're having to deal with something unprecedented, mm-hmm. right? And they're doing absolutely the best they can. And I hope that they can find the support that they're going to need and that they have the ability to ask for that support.
1: And and no, over uh, overwhelmingly different overwhelmingly, The the teachers who have chosen, the teachers who have chosen to teach this year, the teachers and principals who stayed really, really want to take care of the students. Mm -hmm. That is really what they want to be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, That they care so much and they are so concerned about the students and the students having the broadband access at home and getting any accommodations they need, any modifications to the curriculum. Again, that psychosocial support and feeling like they're a part of the school and the class and the community of learners and the, the teachers are working really, really hard to get that done.
0: Um, I, I also a big concern of mine is it seems like from the three of us mm-hmm. that most of the students have access, whether it's virtually or in person. But my, disc, my niece that teaches her being this being her first year is in a lower income district, and I want to say out of her high school there must be over 500 kids that don't have internet access or computers, and so they're being sent home weekly with these huge paper packets. And primarily, you know, there's no parents at home so because the parents are working during the day. So, so these kids are having to teach themselves. And that's where she's seeing the the disconnect or the gap that those kids are not doing their packets. They're not understanding. They're, basically, they're being asked to teach themselves because there's never and, no, it's just really, that, that makes me sad.
1: And I, I know that the teachers and principals are, are, solving that problem the best way they know how they, they don't have it. I did, I did did speak to a a principal over the weekend, um, actually in the Houston area and he's in a a more rural district. Um, they ordered hotspots for their students. The hotspots have not arrived. So they're doing the best they can, but, but, have technology ordered to get the students. What they're not sure of yet is what what the access will be, even with the hotspot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know from the farmhouse that that I go to out in the country. I technically have internet access. I have the best internet and Wi-Fi I can get in that house. But it is about 10 miles from two different small towns. And so it is kind of ramped up DSL. And you can tell the time of days when, time of day when everyone is on because you get kicked off. You can't stream, you can't get on the internet, get kicked off. Sometimes it's great service, sometimes it isn't. So we all have that concern for the students when they're on and trying to access, even if they have a device or hotspot that the school has checked out to them, will they get consistent access and consistent service? And so for those districts that have ordered it and haven't been able to implement yet, we just don't know at this time.
2: This is getting into a completely different line of um, speaking points or talking or thinking and not to put anyone on a political hotspot, but Do you think there's a feeling that maybe the decision makers or policymakers, who, like, for example, I live in Austin, Texas, so I'm in a high technology zone to begin with, and I'm in a city, I haven't had to worry about my broadband connection, and I can't even tell you how long since that's been an issue. It doesn't even enter my mind anymore, and I think we just assume with the globalization of our economies and our world, oh, well, that's available. to everyone now, like what you're telling me is not something I would probably even think about. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's a little bit the case that the decision makers mm-hmm. don't quite understand what's happening on the front line, so to speak?
1: I think they're very disconnected from yeah. even even their constituents, even if they represent some of those outlying areas, mm-hmm. because they are spending so much time in the cities in and the connected. Other-
2: the state capital or the national.
1: Right. Capital capital. Right. Um, I know um, even when I was a high school principal, one of the things we did before school started each year and, and then a couple times throughout the year is go out and visit the neighborhoods where the majority of our where the majority of our students came from. And, and wait, I just
2: was, want to interject this because this was such a beautiful thing you did. I want to say it even more. Vera would take her administration and they would go knock door to door on students' doors just to say, hey, okay, you know, school starting in a week or two weeks. We just want to say hi. Are, you know, are you ready? Is it going to be going okay? But it really put you out in the community.
1: We we even knocked on doors of non-students. We would go into the, the most populated neighborhoods where you could get from door to door quickly. And we carried contact information from the school with us. We carried, it was always before school started, so a basketball a schedule and a volleyball schedule and invited the elder, elderly residents to come to the campus to see games. Uh, We made sure they knew they could get passes to get in free. They didn't have to pay to attend those games. If they showed up at the gate without getting a pass, we made sure they got in that first time and then helped them get that pass through the, the uh, athletic director's office. Um, We we really built some positive relationships with community members as well by doing that I can think of one elderly man. He was in his 80s and he started coming to every volleyball game. Oh, and then he would come to every basketball game. Like, like all the kids knew him. We all knew him. We called him by name and the choir teacher gave him a choir shirt. And, you know, he'd show up with a, a volleyball team shirt on and things like that. He, It was important to him. He didn't have family in town. And so we became part of his support system. And he became part of our support system. Um,
2: and so that's it, a beautiful but, story but I think the point is also not everyone who's making the decisions is doing things you, like that
1: and really getting it I, I remember an assistant principal going to a student's house because he was unable to get in touch with the student's mother and he came back and he said there wasn't a front door on the house and and, descri- and the house was in the middle of town. This was not rural. This wasn't isolated. It was in the middle of a town. And so we asked him about it and he said, you know, at first I thought the door was open, but I walked up to knock and, and there wasn't a door and he had the student with him. And the student said, Oh no, we don't have a front door. It it broke a long time ago and something and went, that If you don't have a front door, you probably don't have internet access. Right. Even even if it's available in the town, you don't have it. And
0: Uh, and When my husband was growing up, they had a young man live with them Monday through Friday because he had 27 brothers and sisters. uh And so in order for him to get up and get ready and make it to school, he couldn't do that with 27 other kids in the house. So Monday through Friday, he lived with my in-laws so that he could eat, have clean clothes and make it, make his grades. And he went on to college and is well.
1: It's a, we just don't know these
0: kind of things are happening. You,
1: you, you don't know. And, and so usually the, the family has one or two cell phones with internet access, but they might, they might be sharing them. So maybe that's being shared among three people. He can't and do on a cell phone. Right. But but maybe you can use it as a hotspot. Maybe you can't. Maybe you have limited data. Some of them are month to month plans. I mean, there's all of those issues to deal with. And so the, the question was about the, the policymakers. I think there's definitely a disconnect between reality for for some percentage of the population and what what many of us live, and what the policy policymakers see and know and expect,
2: and what they're asking them to do mm-hmm. right now,
1: right now. So, so again, schools have um, done a tremendous job of working to distribute technology, um, get it out, sometimes per family, sometimes per student, ordering hotspots, working, but that becomes very expensive also. So what aren't you paying for that the technology then is going to, and so there's, there's so many complicated issues.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because I know a few years ago, like, well, it's probably been five or more years. Our district gave every student in the district an iPad. And there were a lot of parents at that point that kind of, didn't like that. They fought back on it. They thought this is too much technology, too much screen time for our kids. And it got voted in and we went ahead and did it. And everyone did it now knowing that that kind of saved us. Mm -hmm. But there was, we had no idea that we would need them at the capacity that we needed. Last year when we went remote on the turn of a, you know, snap of a finger, everybody had their iPad at home and able to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. That's amazing. Mm -hmm
0: but that's that's not the norm that is i Uh I, I, am in an exceptional district and i think that's great um i do i have seen that our district on a whole is not providing the ppp equipment that i talked about but our booster clubs are yeah or the ppe are are stepping up and providing
2: Shields
0: for the teachers again, so, though, because okay.
2: we're in a community where private donations are mm-hmm. able and, to yes. flood, well, and Is that true.
1: And so, so many times, the the booster clubs in the in the areas that don't have as many resources and the amount of disposable income, the booster clubs are really buying necessities, and sometimes not. The extra, mm-hmm. um, I, I have not seen or heard of anyone buying the PPE for the teachers. Maybe an initial supply, but not ongoing. Yeah, Cleaning supplies PPE.
2: But and then so they're technology a for the students. When I mean that's a really yeah. high price tag,
1: right? And that's how they prioritized what they needed to do this year. I, I think. Um, I think many of the campus administrators are anticipating the need for that technology in place. It goes back to that example I gave a little bit earlier. One student tested positive, and so several had to go home on quarantine. And so even if large numbers of students don't become ill, they might be quarantined and home for periods of time. Or they have to be home and back. And then it could be that someone in another class tests and they have to go home again and back and home again and back. And so there can be lots of back and forth and in and out. And so how do we arrange for that? So I, I think from what I've seen and heard, teachers have gone in really trying to build those relationships, building systems. Um emphasizing that they care and they want to do it right so that as students are home in a way, the students are taking extra effort to log in also. The teachers know that if they've had them on campus or were able to build a relationship at the beginning, those students are more likely to stay in touch with them rather than just disappear. So trying to really set the tone at the beginning of the year is what they're doing now.
2: So I want to circle back to something we were talking about earlier. Uh I don't know, just some more questions are coming up to me on it. When we talked about some of the teachers who are teaching online have every student who's learning online or every student in like Uh social studies or maybe ninth grade English or whatever it is is all one teacher. How many students does that mean they have?
1: It it, it varies. And it can vary from... Um okay, so so this isn't that case. So the teacher I saw the other day had approximately nine students in the classroom and nine at home. Okay, she was doing both. she had she was taking care of all of the students in her class regardless of where they were learning from. Um, the one I know of doing um, all of the math and science is doing all of the instruction for that grade and so it's I don't know, 250 students, maybe. So how, how does she even know if they all
2: watch the lesson? or? Are she there? is,
1: most of them are working with um, another teacher, like the, the in-person teachers don't have as many students, so they're assigned, some of them are assigned there also, okay. so they're helping follow up with them. And they're not all logged in at one time. It's okay. spread throughout the day, and so it might be, Twenty at a time, or twenty-five. That that is still a lot. It's still a lot lot
2: for us to be able to know. And I mean, us as a community, who is maybe in a high-risk situation or in jeopardy in some respect, whether it's technology or food or whatever, emotional support the things that teachers really are usually the front lines for a lot of our kids on trying to monitor those situations.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: right now, I think we're, I mean, we're saying, Oh, how are things going? But this is still so at the beginning. it,
1: it, It is. And I think one thing we all need to remember is that the yearly curriculum is made up of a set of standards that groups of professionals, groups of, of educators have gotten together and decided that to meet these goals by senior year and be a freshman in college, this is what needs to happen from kindergarten on up. But those are superficially imposed guidelines. And so we need to stop worrying so much about how much it is taught right now under these weird circumstances, I think, and the quality and the taking care. I'm going to give an example that pops up out of my head. Okay. I was a math teacher. So math examples always pop up. So if a geometry teacher is not spending as much time on, proofs or three-dimensional geometry, but really getting those basic geometry concepts and relationships and connection to algebra done this year, then the students are ready for algebra 2 next year. And then the algebra 2 teacher always overlaps with some of that three-dimensional and the lead up to trig and pre-calculus. And so leave some of it for them. Don't Don't worry about the overlap as much. Uh, in what's going to be taught again later. If an English teacher is only covering two novels in the year, as opposed to three or four, if you're reading, comprehending, having essays, the students are spending lots of time on those essays. Well, maybe that's enough. Maybe we don't need to cover as much what we're covering. Let's do a better job at. Not that that wouldn't always be a plan, but you know, we, we try to, we speaking educators along with us just as people every student by the time they finish high school should have read this and this and this and this and this and, this and we all need to know about animal farm and night and you know what are those things that read beowulf and mm-hmm. do we have to read all of them or can we manage if we don't read them all right. in high school right now can we save something for later
0: yeah. i think that's important to hear as a parent Yeah. You know, because I mean, especially me, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a pusher. I'm a type A. My expectations are probably too much at certain times. So it's good to hear, you know, just back off a little bit on the pressure.
1: I I think, I think we can, we we can take out a few things, you know, and still get, important significant curriculum covered while taking care of the students whether they're in person or at home
2: and preparing them to move into college well balanced able to take things on independently and knowing how to approach an assignment or a topic it's really i don't know you know. You all know my oldest son has dyslexia and some other learning differences. I had to throw some of those things out the window They're early. Right. And, you know, I've learned from a lot of really uh, brilliant experts in the field of education because I personally think some of the people studying the people who learn differently mm-hmm. have some of the best insights on how people learn and what the most important right. parts of learning and you naturally have to, adjust maybe quantities of things when your kids or students um, need to learn differently and need to spend more time at that. And it, it's been, you know, something that I've felt for a long time. And I think that applies here as well. Like, take a deep breath, everybody, and, and look at the big
1: picture. I, I really want to emphasize something I said early on in one of the previous articles and podcasts, focus on what they are learning. Yeah. not what they're not learning. They are learning a lot about society and life and even biology and the world and the global nature of the world and problem solving and back to resilience and how different people approach difficult situations and how to manage change in your life and how to manage the unexpected and let the school come along with that or the, the curriculum mm-hmm. come along with that.
2: Mm-hmm. But appreciate, it. focus yes. on what is good.
0: I think that's focus, great good.
2: advice for
0: parents, teachers, and teachers, I think that hits all of us. That's just great advice.
1: Now now let's hope the policymakers fall <laughs> into that in vibe, approach oh, Also. Right,
2: yes, right, right, definitely. I hope so. I mean, they may not have a choice. It just may take them longer to realize it.
1: Yeah. And it's you know, um,
2: again, this is not to discount reading and writing and, 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 and not I mean, n- that I am an education component. And you all know that too. But I also know keeping the students well, keeping the teachers well, keeping the administrators well is equally important because if they're not, all of those other things are going to... Well,
1: and we also know that when we're stressed, then our immune systems are depressed and we're more likely to be affected by all sorts of illnesses and you know whether it's the flu or a cold or allergies but you know how it knocks us down and how our body responds and so it is important to stay balanced and um, focused on the important things and focused on the positive
0: like a true vibe listener
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Vera, we've covered a lot. I feel like we still have more to cover. So we'll, I'm sure, do another one of these check-ins again in another month to six weeks or so. Is there anything else you want to add or leave us with?
1: I, I just want to add again that I want all the parents to know how much the teachers and administrators care and care about their kids and want to do things right and in the right way. I hope that the parents reach out to them when they have questions, when they have concerns, when they're having difficulty either accessing the technology or understanding the curriculum or or whatever it is that that the school personnel are there and, and still want to be their source of support academically. And so I hope the parents take full advantage of that. I know the teachers and principals want that.
0: I think in our hearts as parents, we feel it that it's important to hear it because sometimes we forget it mm-hmm. because of the stress and the anxiety of the situation. It's easy to take it out on the teachers sometimes. And so I think it's good for you to just continue to say that. And then we continue to put that out there that teachers I, are human beings, just like the rest of us.
1: And I, I want to say again, in all of the people I've talked to in the last few weeks, I have not heard anyone complain about what they're doing. They, these are school personnel that they might express concerns or stress or that but they have not complained, not one time, not at all. They're jumping in and working as hard as they can to do the best job they can.
0: I love it. That's great. I love it. That's really good to hear. And I can't wait for us to do this check up again I know. because it's this is such a changing situation, and I bet by the next time we talk, either all it'll be hundred percent back in, or things will have died back down. Who knows? Right? I, I think it's going to be a roller coaster.
1: It's going to be. I, I roller think roller so too. I, I, that's that's thing. what I've been warning mind that as they're uploading their lessons and their videos, it's just we're going to take it one day at a time and and do what we need to do and we don't know what to expect and how to do it. We're going to figure it out. We'll just all figure it out together.
2: Well, and you're a return guest. So I know we've already asked you our question of how do you find balance in each day? Is there anything you're doing differently right now than you would normally do um, to kind of balance all the, I know you're meeting with everyone on Mm -hmm. zoom and from virtual methods. Are you doing anything different to keep yourself in vibe or balance?
1: Um, I've been doing more gardening. I made sure I planted a fall garden. I've never planted a fall garden before, not a big full-fledged fall garden. And so that was my approach to being outdoors and in the dirt and uh, Friday and Saturday of all things, I not only gardened but I cleaned fence line. Let me tell you, that is not something I have ever done or done on my own before. (laughs) and I just decided it needed to happen and I didn't have anyone to help and so I took my little lawn clippers and put on work gloves and there I went and you know it it was really um
0: therapeutic
1: refreshing and therapeutic it felt good to be outside the weather was perfect I was filthy, dirty, exhausted, sore at the end of those two days, but I could look at what I had done and felt such a sense of accomplishment that, that was visible. You could see it. It wasn't finishing a book or finishing a handicraft or writing an article. Yeah, those are important things and they're good things. There's a sense of accomplishment that this, everyone driving down the road could see. All of my I neighbors could notice. <laughs> it was perfect. It was yeah. great.
2: I love that. Great, great tip. Get uh-huh. out I uh, <laughs> find something with yeah. a beginning, middle, and an end, and yeah. you can
1: feel good Just about it. go for it. Uh-huh.
2: Well, Vera, thank you again for joining us and sharing your perspective. We can't wait to hear what yeah. you, you know, come uh-huh. up with or bring forth next. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Thank okay. Well, thank, so good. thank you for thank having you. me. Thank, thank you for having me and I, I hope it's helpful to, to somebody.
2: It's been helpful to us,
1: very helpful. Okay, good. And
2: just just to say again, we will link all of your past appearances and articles in the show notes to this. So go check those out. They have a lot of great information, too. And thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. See you soon. Bye. Bye.